Welcome back to your favorite St. Louis sports podcast, The Lunatics. I'm Tyler, your host, along with our co-host and quote-unquote producer, John. Uh, we've got an exciting week. It's been a lot of crazy things that have happened in the world of sports. Uh, we had our last episode. It was a long one and a fun one for those of you that are City fans. For those of you who are more Cardinals and Blues fans, you'll be excited to hear. There's a, plenty more of that on the docket today. Uh, John, thanks for counting me in this week. Uh, he had given up the counting in after I gave him too much shit. Uh, and it looks like he's now having back into counting me in to get ready. And until I said that, which means next episode, he's probably just going to wing it and hit go live to see if he can catch me off guard again. John, what do you have? I mean, I'm going to be consuming a lot of alcohol on vacation this week. So there's a good chance. I'll just completely forget that we recorded this episode. So... That's how that's how much it's going to be. It's going to be like retrograde amnesia, like just like straight back through this. You know, I don't know the last time that I had just like a stretch where I knew I was just going to be absolutely smashed. Although I did get a call from my baby brother today who goes, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just randomly packed up and went to Mexico for a long weekend in January? And I'm like, maybe he's like, it's all inclusive. Um, if we did that without any kids, I guarantee I'm not going to remember anything that happened. That's that's how Mexico goes, but that's okay um, because we do have a lot of good material to talk about tonight, most of which I have to write down so that I don't forget it even when I'm sober. But we've got stuff for all three teams today. Everyone's been really active in terms of their rosters um, lately, so we've got We've got stuff to talk about. Do you want to lead us in with the blues? I am going to lead us in, but I'm actually going to start with something not on here. Uh, okay. And I think you're going to appreciate this for a quick moment. Moment. <clears throat> so one big thing I want to highlight and that we haven't talked about as much is the end of the Mizzou season. So we had some awards and things. We didn't uh, manage to snag any crazy big awards, but we did have some finalists for some awards, which is exciting. Uh, Cody Schrader, who is a local St. Louis kid, went to Lutheran South, uh, then ended up at Truman State of all places before walking on at Mizzou, ended up top 10 voting in the Heisman uh, as Mizzou had its first 10 wins campaign since 2014. It's been a little while. Uh, it's exciting. And we managed to get a solid uh, bowl game. And we are playing none other than the quotes uh, Ohio State University. You know, you sent me something really interesting and funny, and I am hoping to God uh, that they do it, but I'll let you be the one to uh, to bring up what, what you sent me or what you thought would be funny. So <clears throat> I had to think, because I send you a lot of things that I think are funny, and uh, the context was not even enough on its own. I had to really go back through everything Mizzou-related I've sent you, um, and I think I know which one you're talking about. So Mizzou, yeah, yeah, that's what I figured it was. So Mizzou um, has a helmet decal where it's just the block M in Mizzou colors. And that block M looks just like the Michigan M, other than the fact that the colors are a little different, right? Because they're not the same school. And I know that the Michigan helmets are the Wolverine helmets and they're iconic or whatever, but, you know, everyone knows that M. So someone posted on Facebook that for this bowl game, Mizzou should wear the helmets with the M decal just to troll Ohio state because it looks so similar to Michigan. 
I thought that was hilarious because, you know, first off, everyone knows their rivalry, but over the last three or four years, uh, Michigan has just owned Ohio State like every time they've played. Uh, so I, I love that. Um, I did have another friend I sent it to who told me that he thought it was dumb uh, because we're not Michigan and we shouldn't try to be Michigan. And I was like, well, it's about it's about shithousery and getting in their heads for a big game and being oh, yeah. funny. No, I I am all in on doing stupid shit to get in people's get in minds and playing the mind games, especially in bowl season, which doesn't mean jack shit. Half your players are if they're any worth anything are not playing and declaring for the draft so they don't get hurt. I mean, like it. it it's an opportunity for young players to step up against a decent team. Um, but even the team you're playing is having the same issues you are, where they have a lot of players that are, if they're eligible for draft and they're looking to be a decent draft pick, chances are they're going to opt out and you're not going to see them play. And so for me, uh, I think it's a great opportunity to have some fun, poke a little, uh, poke the bear a little, if you will, uh, with Ohio state. And uh, again, more than anything, I hope we, we beat Ohio state. Uh, just because I enjoy talking crap on anyone and everyone who likes Ohio State, or as they like to say, the Ohio State. Um, and I'll keep, I'll continue to put uh, the with the quotations every time, the air quotes every time I say it, because I think it's hilarious and also annoying because there's no other Ohio State University there that I'm aware of. Um <clears throat> Either way, um, but that that's it's exciting stuff. I'm proud of I'm proud of Mizzou. I'm ex- excited for Mizzou football. I think it was a a great season. Uh, not just Cody Schrader, but uh, our our quarterback Cook had a great year, and then Luther Burden the third had an amazing year, also receiving. Um, both Luther Burden and Cody Schrader were uh, named on the All America teams um, in some capacity, on, and so I think that's exciting as well. Yeah, and I think Brady Cook ended up like eighth or ninth in the Heisman voting. Um, so he was a top 10 finalist, but he didn't make. Like... Cody Schrader did. I don't think Cook did. Schrader was eighth. Did I miss? Oh, I must have misread it. I thought I could have sworn it said Brady Cook. Oh, well. Um, and then the other thing is, did you see that two of the freshmen were freshmen, All-American too? No, um, I missed that one. Yeah, I'll send it to you. I can't remember their na- their last names. One's a tight end. I don't remember what the other one plays, but they're both named Brett which is the only <laughs> other th- thing that I took away from it. But yeah, that's exciting. You know, it was a good team this year. You and I have talked a lot lately. We're, we're also having what sounds like a really good recruiting class, um, getting a lot of guys that are decommitting from other schools to commit to Mizzou. Uh, that's really exciting stuff. That's good. It really speaks to the quality of the program that we've got going on over in Columbia now. Yeah, I, not just that. I think, uh, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has done a good job of turning this program back around, getting back to uh, former good good days from back when Pinkle was coaching and, and getting a better reputation. Being in the SEC and being successful in the SEC is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, finishing top 10 in the country is huge. All those things are big. Um, so one of the commits you mentioned is a Georgia State running back, uh, Marcus Carroll, who is a junior, who did commit to uh, Mizzou. So for those of you who don't know, the Doak Walker Award is the award for the best running back in the country. Uh, Cody Schrader, the guy that we meant, I mentioned at the beginning, our running back this last year, was a sixth-year player. This was his last year of eligibility. Um, that He finished third in that 
Uh, one of the semifinalists was Georgia State running back Marcus Carroll Jr. So we're replacing one running back with a, a potentially a new stud running back. And I think uh, as important as the running game is to Mizzou, and it will continue to be, especially playing in a tough conference like the SEC, to be able to grind out games and have clock control, uh, getting a running back of that caliber is huge. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I have nothing to add to that. It's, it's big. Yes. Left John speechless. Uh, very few people can do that. Uh, from what I've heard over the years, uh, I'm proud to now consider myself among the elite. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call you elite, but close enough. We can round up. <laughs> it's close, close enough. Uh, now get back into more of our professional sports teams. Uh, we'll hop up. I will lead into the blues. So blues have had a busy week uh, and I've actually could not sleep and started going back and looking up previous games and players and some stuff over the last couple of nights. Um, and then I'll listen to some interesting interviews uh, with some people who also apparently sounds like have had similar uh, issues of going back and looking at things, although theirs were probably less related to insomnia uh, and more related to the fact that, you know, you know, there a Jamie Rivers is one of the blues analysts. So I'm sure that had more to do with a lot of his pieces of it. I think the blues are, per, are a perplexing team. There's something about them that just is off. I mean, absolutely off. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what it is, right? You know, you could say it's coaching um, tail as old as time, bad players or players playing badly uh, will get good coaches fired. And I'm hopeful that that's not what's about to happen with chiefs. Uh, I've seen a lot of hate uh, on the internet interwebs uh, floating around and, and the discussion posts around chief being the issue with him, not being able to handle young players or coach them up or things like this and that. And I mean, Chief is a well-respected, well-touted, and successful minor league player. He knows how to coach young guys. He's not just some guy, former player who immediately hopped into an NHL team. He he's done it right. He's been in the minors. He's coached in these lower leagues and been successful before he got here. And and he's had a lot of success with a lot of our young players. I think there's there's something missing though with this team. And the consistency is a big piece that I've been really frustrated with, right? I mean, we started off the season, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. Uh, November hit, and we started to look like we were going to hit our stride a little bit. We played pretty well. Um, and then towards the end of November, we kind of fell back into that win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. And now we're, we are in a little bit of a slide here. And so, you know, including tonight, I mean, we keep we lost tonight. We yeah. keep find yeah, it's gonna say we keep finding ways to lose games. And I mean, we were up four to three at one point. We end up losing six to four. Didn't that I mean, just like, happen it, to us? Um, something like that. Uh, was that Columbus? Or was that no? I'm trying to remember which game it was. I know which there game was you're a game about, we were up like um, two goals to nothing. We were we were losing, up, we right? were up three to one after the first, and we ended up losing six to three. Oh, uh, that's we the, gave that up. was, yeah, Vegas last week. Yeah. yeah, it was Vegas. And so we started out, you know, they scored first. They went up one nothing. We put three unanswered back on them in the first right. period. And then in the second and third periods, we gave up five goals. Now, right. granted, I think one of those or two of those were empty netters at the end of the game. Sure. Even still, but you still you still give up the goals. They still count, right? right? They still go on the scoreboard. Right. Whether we want them but to or even not. Even if it doesn't change the outcome of the game, they still... 
go on the score sheet, like you said. Well, and it's not just that, but this recent run of form has actually really impacted how we're looking right now. And I mean, the season doesn't end today, but if it did, we'd be on the outside looking in again, um, which is not a place we want to find ourselves, especially in the NHL where a lot of teams make the playoffs. So like it's kind of, I don't really want to use the word inexcusable, but this is St. Louis. It's inexcusable, right? Like you should be in the postseason every year. Or at least, you know, maybe you get a year to rebuild, which you could argue is what we're doing this year, except it's not much of a rebuild. It's kind of just a run it back out and see what happens, question mark. You know, we we just traded Bortuzzo. Yes. And you had know, the shave, too. Love... Did you see that? That sucked. Yeah, he looks goofy now, but he looks so goofy. You know, then again, I also look, you know, I look fat already. And then if I shave, I look even fatter. So, you know, take your pick. Um, but we've got, you know, Bortuzzo, we traded away and that hurts, but that's a big leadership piece. But I don't think he was happy with where he was. And I think it was time for him to move on. And I, I get that from what I, all reports that I've heard. I think something that was interesting that came out of uh, our captain's mouth recently um, and I don't remember if it was, I think it was, it might've been over the weekend uh, it was when this quote was said and I'm paraphrasing. So bear with me here, but we, he comes out and immediately it's, Hey, you know, we have to do better night, essentially night in and night out. We are not, we have guys that are not showing full effort when they step on the ice. They're not giving it their all. I mean, he's, he's clearly calling some people out. And I think Braden Shin has every right to call these people out, right? He does. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way that we've been playing, we've got players that, again, and we've talked about it time and time again, but they're afraid to do the little things and some more than others. Uh, and I guess this is a good segue into, you know, three players that I think we've, people have been hard on um, two in particular. And I kind of want to really focus on two here, actually. Um, Yacoub Verana and Sammy Blay. Um, <clears throat> and so I look at Sammy Blay as somebody who, um, going back, and I, I did, I researched a lot of his numbers, was somebody who could score when he was coming up, got to the NHL, and then again, when he was playing with the Blues, turned into the guy that on that third, fourth line that was going to run around and put somebody through the wall every time he was on the ice, right? He, he had that scoring potential, but it wasn't his focus. Uh, went to the Rangers, didn't work out, came back to us. He came back and started putting the puck in the net at the end of last year, right? And everyone's like, wow, this is great. He's going to be an offensive weapon for us. The end of last year was very much a carefree, just go have fun for a lot of these guys at that point, right? We weren't making the playoffs. There's no pressure. There's, you know, hey, we're here to play hockey. And I think it allowed a lot of these guys to cut loose and, and enjoy things. Sammy Blay played incredible. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but a lot of that offense, I think, came from a feeling of freedom and ability to just kind of skate around and just have fun again. Um, and, and he still comes in. And if you watch him on the ice still right now, he's still doing the little things, right? He's getting into the boards. He's still not afraid to hit people. Uh, is he scoring a lot of goals? No, but I think they'll come. Uh, Verana is somebody that, again, was going to be placed on waivers yesterday. 
then he wasn't actually placed on waivers. So it sounded like they were maybe working out a trade with someone. Um, and then it looks like the trade probably fell through as he was then placed on waivers today, uh, this afternoon. <clears throat> and I've talked about Verona a lot on this podcast uh, in the preseason leading up to it. I thought he was somebody we were going to be able to count on on that third, fourth line as the goal scorer down there. Um, as somebody who could feast on other teams, lower lines, lower defensive pairings potentially, and really help be a source of offense for us. He has been anything but, I mean, he scored, I think, what, five goals this year, I think. Um, and two of those came in one game. My issue with Verana is, to me, he's a uh, poor man's uh, Jordan Cairo. Right? Uh He's good. He's going to score goals and that's his value. But when he's not scoring goals, he doesn't have much value and he doesn't create as much offense and he doesn't have some of the same skill sets that Kairou does that helps Kairou offset some of the things and, you know, earn big contracts. Um, And don't get me wrong. I'm not letting Kairou off the hook here by any stretch of the imagination, but I think what we're at, we're 28 games in. Is that right? uh 29 uh, yeah. after tonight as a as a mm, i thought today night was 28 but yeah you're right either on way where we're 28 at. or yeah. 29 um and uh <clears throat> last i checked and i don't and i i've been in and out with uh some stuff tonight so i didn't keep as close a track of the game so i don't know if Kyrie had any goal contributions tonight but prior to tonight he had 17 goal contributions he had five goals 12 assists i believe and so i mean he's contributing to the score sheet right uh, but he, he's not getting goals but he does have tons of fast breaks and so if those fast breaks continue my hope you would hope to see the goal number increase for him verona doesn't have that verona's got an amazing quick shot when he's given the opportunity but the guy's afraid to go to the boards if you watch you know i was going back and watching video of him it's constantly standing at back out of the way and throwing his stick at the guy just trying to knock the puck loose um, it's to me looking like he's standing on the wrong side of things, waiting for the puck to come out. When the puck does come out, it looks like if there's a chance that he's going to get hit or it's going to take a hit, he'll let the guy skate right by with the puck. Um, his 50, 50 pucks, uh, you know, chances that he should, you know, ideally come out with the puck half the time. He eases up. If you watch him every time as he's skating towards the puck, he slows down and, and eases up. There's something going on with him. I don't know if it's he's just not happy here, and that's what's leading to a lot of this, these things that I'm seeing on on the video. But I've not been impressed. So you know, when I I'm you know have been one of the guys previous to going back and watching a lot of video of him, saying, "Hey, this guy, this guy needs more minutes. This guy just needs more ice time. He's got a lot of potential." And then when I go back and look at the ice time that he's had. I feel like he's dogging it, right? Like, I think he's feel like he's just, I'm here. And if I get a chance, I'll try to score a goal, but otherwise I don't really care to be here. And I think it's really showing and coming through. And I know he was really successful at the end of the last season, but I think that can be attributed to some of the same things as Sammy Blay. And the thing that I want to kind of bring up from, from Jamie Rivers and listening to him was he was talking, he's like, go back and look at all the turnovers. And I didn't do this because I didn't have time to, but he goes, look at all the turnovers Verona had last year. Yeah, he was scoring a bunch of goals, but we still weren't winning those games. He was still turning over the puck and doing these things. He was just finding the net more because the team was just playing more relaxed and eased up. And so, 
I understand why they're waving him. Um, I would have loved to have traded it, traded him, but I just don't see it. But I think he's kind of a concoction of, you know, everything that's going on with the blues and now maybe not every game, but there's a lot of players who or, or the team as a whole where it's like, you know, okay, we're playing against this team. We've, we're going to give it our all out of nowhere. And all of a sudden you look like a completely different team and then you play somebody else and it looks like you just don't care to even be there that night. Sorry, that was a long monologue. Yeah, I clocked you at like 10 minutes. So <laughs> I think a long monologue is uh, accurate to say the least. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole point. And I mean, I think something that's kind of important to mention here is that Verona is, you know, because of the trade was was very cheap for us in terms of the cap hit. Um, Cause we only had to pay for half of his salary, if I remember correct, correctly. And, and he came from Detroit, right? The Red Wings. Is that, I believe so. I think that's yeah. where he was. he was. He was with the Capitals before that he had a 20 goal season with the Caps right. and I, that's what landed in whatever contract he had. Right. Right. Um, well, and, and they're still paying for half of his salary this season. Okay. So we waive him. That doesn't mean we cut him. That's not necessarily the same thing. So for anyone who doesn't necessarily follow the NHL and its rules, um, a waiver means that we're sending them back down to our AHL affiliate in Springfield. Um, And basically every other team has a chance to claim him before we send him down. If he is claimed, his entire salary will be paid by the claiming team. Um, if he stays, we are still on the hook for about one and a half million, uh, of his salary. And then I think Detroit picks up their portion. And then, um, there's a little bit over a million, million and a half, maybe that is no longer on the books for us, but basically, you know, we were paying, you know, one and a half, two and a half million for him this year. Um, which is not, you know, it's not cheap, cheap, but it's, it's, pretty damn cheap for what we were hoping he would be and it just hasn't worked out that's what i think is so damning about this whole situation for him um for for cardinals fans for context uh waving somebody and the nhl first assignment it's it's the dfa that we did to taylor motter 20 times this last year Right. <laughs> if you're a Cardinals fan and you were not familiar with that roster mechanism before this year, you absolutely should be now because it was like every like three or four days <laughs> I was getting an alert that he, he was DFA. And I'm like, OK, well, see him call up again in a week. Like, oh, they've, they've designated Motter for assignment again, designated for assignment. OK, cool. I guess he's going back down to AAA for a week or two until somebody else gets hurt. Right. And the thing that was so upsetting <laughs> about that is I was like, okay, like I'm not, if someone claims Modder, like I'm not going to be upset and I'm going to be happy for him because he'll probably not have to go through this shit every week going back and forth. But I just, I feel really bad for that guy, but I'm sure he made a lot, like a really good amount of money for his skill level and what his career prospects oh, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, getting up and getting to make the major league minimum for whatever grade he's right. at is way more than what he was making previously in the minors. So yeah, absolutely. if anything, uh, Mo and uh, Ollie really helped out Taylor Motter's financials this year. So that that was nice. That, you know, yeah, let's that look was at nice the positives from the Cardinal right. season. Right. Um, 
back back on the blues though um you know verona had six points in 19 games two goals four assists that's not gonna cut it uh for us uh we needed him to do more um our little losing streak that we're on um we're now fifth place in the central yeah four four in a row now as of tonight um that actually puts us at less than one point per game, which means that I'm on track to win our bet as it stands yeah. right now. You so, can you can go. Uh, uh, please tell me what I can do. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah, saying. You're going on vacation, I'm, so like, no matter what I say, you don't give a shit because no. Going I'm, on I'm already on vacation mode. Let's let's be clear about this. Like, you know how like how when you go on vacation, you kind of quiet quit for a few days. That's me. Right now, yeah, you you quite quit like a year or two ago to be an object, <laughs> right? For this vacation, For this vacation, I have been, I have been ready. I didn't even know when this vacation was going to be, but right. God damn it, I am quite quitting until my next vacation. That's absolutely right. Um, <laughs> two other things that I wanted to to bring up, three other things that I wanted to bring up on the Blues before I'm ready to move on to the Cardinals. After that, uh, number one. The power play still sucks. That's no surprise. But did you know that at least at some point today, we were no longer last in power play goals? This could have changed after tonight's games. It was earlier tonight when I looked at it. Did you know that? What? No. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull it back up now because now this, it's this can't done. be real life. This is this. I, well, I, I guess assure you. Buchnevich had a couple goals, and we did. We did have some. Even though we've lost some mm-hmm. games, we did have some power play goals. But oh, how did I get? I, that I still find it hard to believe that we're not last with how piss poor we were to start. So somebody else is playing like we were um, yes, recently. Yes, or had to have been. Yes. Yeah. So power play goals. Um, the Capitals have six. We now have seven. So oh, damn. You know, we're we're moving up in yeah, the well, world. You know what? Maybe they need Verana. Maybe you know. Maybe they do. He scored yeah. twenty goals there. That's true. I, I don't remember how many it was. Like, it was working for him. Low twenties, I think. Like, but I mean, again, if you're a twenty goal scorer in the NHL, you have some talent. Yeah, like you can you can skate. Like, let's be clear. Um, we are one spot out of the wild card though, because we're not the only team that really sucks this year. Um, although, where's the standings? I closed the standings no longer know how far out we are um but we're only one spot out we are it's only one point out actually i think it's that's it's not that that are you know there's a lot of um i think there's a lot of inconsistency going on in the nhl this year as a whole Mm -hmm. Um, not maybe to the blues level of the every other game you see a different team each night Mm -hmm. um but there's definitely a lot of inconsistency going on. Well, here's the other thing too. So here's part of how this has happened. Okay. So we have 27 points. We're one game or one point out behind Arizona who has 28. They're also on a four game losing streak. So once we started losing, they were very kind and they started losing. So that way they couldn't separate out from us. Uh, unfortunately, we are only two points ahead of Edmonton who is on a seven game winning streak. So they are really feeling it right now. 
Edmonton's but, been a been a playoff caliber team, borderline playoff caliber team in the last few years. They've got some good right. players over there. And so yeah. that doesn't surprise me, but it also makes these little these streaks like that we're on right now with losing right. when we had that fourth spot locked up for a little bit, uh hurt even more because it's that much harder to stay ahead of these teams. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean you're over a long season, you expect these types of streaks to occur for both. The the point is to try to you know, limit the losing streaks, get it back on track and, you know, try to capitalize when you're in, in the zone. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say though, was, and I don't know if you saw this, but there were this weekend, two players, um, under the age of 22 that were leading their team in goals. Do you know who they were? Jake neighbors is one. Jake uh, the other one is uh, what's his name for Bedard for Chicago, Bedard. right? Yeah, right. You know, God's gift to hockey. So yeah, apparently his mom's hot and uh, is uh, looking to to hook up with guys. So any of you guys that are into uh, hockey moms, Bedard's mom uh, apparently uh, is also into people. <laughs> it's another right hockey moms. That... No, ho- if you're into hockey moms. But Hart's mom is into people. That's very eloquently I, I don't, put. I, I don't. I don't know her preferences. Uh, I'm not sure on the details there. Uh, so I mean, you know, shoot your shot. You know, what do you got to lose? Yeah. If what's you the become Bedard's stepdaddy, I mean, maybe you retire off his uh, God's gift to hockey salary someday. There are worse things that could happen. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Just, just for the listeners to ponder, just you know, throwing it out there for them. And if you can, you know, if you're a blues fan because you're listening to our podcast, and you convince Bedard's mom to tell him to take a lesser contract when he becomes a free agent and come down to St. Louis, and sure, cool. I mean, whatever. Yeah. This, you know, let's leave fantasy land. Let's come back into the real world for a few minutes. Right, back to Jake Neighbors. That, that was all I had. He's the only thing think, going well for us. I, I think it's it's been encouraging to see. Um, I've enjoyed watching him play, and I think uh, he's providing a lot of the offense that I thought Verona was going to provide. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see him getting his chance and trying to seize that opportunity. So hopefully mm-hmm. that goes well. Um, speaking of chances and seizing opportunities, uh, Yachty had, with the Cardinals had an opportunity to potentially come on as a full-time coach with the Cardinals uh, sounds like he has other family commitments was not able to commit to a full-time gig uh, on the coaching staff, but I, he did however, agree to be a special assistant in the Cardinals organization, which essentially means they're going to give him some sort of money and he's going to come and help us in varying areas uh, during the season. He'll have some scheduled time with the team and things. Right. Um, I think it's interesting. They signed him up as a special assistant to Mo. And yeah. if you and if we think we're potentially smarter than Mo, you know Yachty yeah. is. Right. Well, and that could be like a development thing, right? Like, you know, you have him as an understudy to Mo. Like, obviously, he's not going to be like replacing Mo as the president of baseball operations. But if you want to give someone exposure to the general like administrative structure, like that's, that's where you put them and then you can get, let them work on different things. Um, like you said, he does is going to have some scheduled 
time. And then I think a little bit other times that are going to be kind of more like, what are you doing this week? Why don't you come hang out? Um, sounds like as far as the team goes, um, that he'll, you know, work with what he's good with pitching and catching, uh, that way that's no surprise there, but I am really excited to see how he fits in with the team next year and, and what his role looks like in practice. I think that's, you know, that Yachty mentality, that uh, mindset that he brings and demand for excellence is one of the things we were missing this year. So I'm really excited to to have him back with the club. I agree. I think initially that wasn't sure where he was going to wind up. And I think in this role, I think there's less pressure on Ollie that Yachty's right there in the dugout to take his job. Right. Um, well, and, and I'm not saying that that's not what's going to happen because you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying that Yachty won't be the manager of the Cardinals someday. Cause if Yachty were to be the manager of the Cardinals and were to fully commit to that, you know, he would do a kick-ass job. Um, but you also don't want your team to suffer because the manager's looking over his shoulder at this guy in the dugout that they think potentially that was brought in to replace him. Right. Right. Which, you know, especially for Ali, like, Anytime there were calls for for Schilt or even I think Matheny to leave before Schilt, like it was always Ollie that that everyone thought was going to be, you know, promoted. Right? I wanted so, Skip. I wanted them to go hire Skip as the manager forever. Right. But that was before even Skip was in within the organization again. Right. Well, no, I wanted them to poach him from the Padres. He was the bench right. coach out of the Padres right. at the time. Right. So I wanted a lot of people were screaming for Ollie, but you're right. A, a lot of people in st louis were like we want ollie we want ollie right i was screaming i want skip uh we ended up getting skip right but and then we lost also him. as a bench coach and then now he's yeah. managing the marlins so yeah right but for an internal hire which is what we historically have done like ollie was kind of thought to be that guy so i think he's also a little bit sensitive to that because i think he kind of you know that's basically the path that he took to get there um but no, I'm glad that Yachty's coming back. I'm very excited about it. Um, the other big news in baseball that I wanted to talk about tonight, though, is not specifically Cardinals related, but I think it does impact the Cardinals and kind of our outlook uh, for the remaining remainder of the decade. Uh, so for those of you who are one of the best fans in baseball, as we like to say, um, you may have heard that there is a big player signed to the Dodgers, Shohei Otani. So Tyler, Who's why that? is why why you want to know why he's a big deal? I I I mean like it's because he brings over a, a solid uh you know following from Japan, so increases your international market value. Is that is that why he's so important? Um that's one way to look at it. You're not wrong with that assertion. I mean, his contract will pay for itself from that like 100 percent. well i mean like, what they're going to be paying them for the next 10 years is going to be more than that but yeah well i mean what they're going to be paying him over the next 10 years is pennies compared to what he's you know actually being paid so he's going to be paid 700 million dollars to play for the dodgers okay over but 10 the years next, he'll play for 10 years his contract is actually over the next 20 years so he's going to get paid $2 million a year for the next 10 years and then $68 million a year each year for the 10 years after that. 
So one, this is the biggest contract um, in American professional sports, uh, certainly within MLB. Uh, you might be asking, well, why is he worth so much money? Well, because he would be a top tier pitcher while also being a top tier hitter um, on top of being the key to merchandise in Japan. So there's yeah, a there's, lot for him. There, There's a lot there uh, and not just top tier. I mean, we're talking top three in the league, whatever yeah. league you're in, yeah. NL, yeah, AL, yeah. whatever he's top three pitcher, top three hitter when he's, he's playing. Uh, he will not be pitching next year due to surgery. So at least we don't have to worry about that, but it, it's true. And it's going to hurt um, having the universal DH made the NL much more attractive than it would, you probably would have been otherwise for him. I think <clears throat> it does hurt. It sucks that he went to the Dodgers. If you want my honest opinion, I wanted him to go somewhere in the AL where we didn't have to go see him potentially in the playoffs um, until world series. If we had to, right. but you know what, here's the thing we've been through this before. I mean, we've been, we've had to beat good players to get to the world series, you know? And so I think you, you have to beat the best to be the best and that's fine. I just, the one bright spot, I guess, is that we have a chance to actually see him play more often, uh, yeah. which, which is cool. And that's exciting. Cause he is, he's a, you know, a, uh, one of a kind player that otherwise, you know, if you get a chance to see, you, you want to see him play. Right. Um, I think what hurts to me through all of this right now is that we're sitting here, Mo went into the off season saying, we're going to increase payroll. We're going to do this. We're going to go out and find these people. And I'm not saying that he's straight shopped the bargain bin because we did go out and we got Sonny Gray. Uh, and I liked the Lance Lynn signing. Uh, I don't think Gibson's a bad signing. Uh, I liked Lance Lynn better than Gibson just because of the history here. Um, but, you know, I, and I think Lance Lynn has strikeout stuff that we kind of need in our, our rotation at times. But what I'm struggling with is after the trade of Tyler O'Neill, we are roughly $10 million below what our payroll commitments were last year, currently for this year. Right. After saying we're going to increase payroll, we're going to look to increase payroll, we're going to look to do these things, we're going to make the team better. We What happened last year was unacceptable. He's saying all the things, and then what he's throwing out on the field is saying you know what? I'm okay with what we were last year. Well, and, and I know people are saying, I mean, Oh, well, look at up. the stadium. The stadium was, no, the stadium no, no, no. was empty. That's and not what I would say right now. Let's back that up a moment. It's still the off season, right? There are still moves to be made now. Healthy dose of Cardinal skepticism, right? That Mo's not going to do anything else, but until the season starts, I'm not going to sit here and complain about, you know, the payroll thing. Cause there's other moves that can and should be happening. Um, we've been linked to trades. We've been linked to interest in free agency. Um, I just, I don't want to go down that, that route of saying like, you know, that we're for sure spending you, you, less. You, you cut me off before I was done. I was getting there, but okay, get there. When I, where, where I'm headed was, is if there, if this is where we stop, this it's going to, you know, the, the message you're sending is exactly that, right? We're okay with what we were last year because we were still a profitable team. We still won enough games. I know a lot of people will point to, well, look at the stadium last season, right? It was 
it was empty, right? It was half full. You and I got, you know, people, the resale market, you get cheap tickets, whatever else there at the end of the season, because people weren't going. But on the flip side of that, those tickets were all still sold, right? And so and I'm not sure what the season ticket, you know, pieces look like, how many people opted out of season tickets for this coming year, had issues, whatever. That could be more, but, you know, we are the the best fans in baseball, right? People are going to buy those tickets. People want to have Cardinals tickets. Yeah, I just but... don't know. I just don't know that. My my issue is, is that if this is where we stop and I still don't feel like, I feel like Sonny Gray is a, you know, technically a number one starter. I feel like we don't have anybody that I could chalk up as a number two starter though. Um, and so, and, and realistically in my visions for the off season, we've talked about this. I Sonny Gray is the guy that I wanted to be lined up as a number two starter. Now there's still some big names out there and there's still the potential for trades for us to get some things done and to improve that starting lineup. Uh, and the other piece that I do want to highlight, cause I've seen this, Hey, we're $10 million down is we haven't finished addressing the bullpen either. Yeah. So I think that's important to call out. I think, you know, a lot, and I think the bullpen is easier to fix or to find arms for than necessarily the starting rotation. The starting rotation, you know, that's a probably a multi-year plan to fix just because of the market and, you know, the teams that we're competing against that are also in the market. Um, that being said, it is a, a start. And, you know, kind of what led us down this path to talk about all this um the dodgers signing otani to such a favorable deal like that was all driven by him as the player and i think that's important to call out too um deferring so much of his salary um that was his idea so that way they could go out and continue to be competitive in the market that really hurts our chances to sign some other players this year, next year, the year after that, et cetera, uh, because the Dodgers have a lot of money and they, they will throw it around. Um, and there are going to be times where we, we will offer strong competitive salaries and, and, you know, people will take other teams. That's going to happen for sure. Um, and so it does really suck that this contract that he signed is, is so favorable to the team. Um, I do think that this means that we are that that Yamamoto is is 100% going to the Dodgers. There is no doubt in my mind that he is going to the Dodgers, um, who still need more pitching, especially if Otani can't pitch next year because of Tommy John, which which he can't. Like we know that he can't pitch next year, at least not till the very end. Um, I I think we are are done in the free agent starting pitching market. We can maybe get some relievers. Uh, the O'Neill trade that you referenced earlier. Um, so we did get a couple of relievers back for that. I think we've got probably one or two more trades that we can get some relievers in. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. So I think it's, uh, you know, something else to to think about or, or kind of highlight is that the one of the guys that I really wanted is still out there as a free agent. Um, and I, and I don't think he signs until Yamamoto signs. Um, but Monty's still available. 
and I know Monty's going to command a big contract. Um, I still think if you get the opportunity to, um, you sign Monty to a contract. Um, and yeah, you know what? That leaves you with six starters. You figure it out, right? It, it's not going to hurt things. Um, well, the best Monty, teams all have six starters. Yeah. Whether they whether they admit it or not, yeah, they all right, have yeah. six. And so, <clears throat> um, you know, if you're if you're starting rotation to start the year is Monty, Sonny Gray, you know, then you've got Lance Lynn, Gibson, and Michaelis. You've got a ton of innings. You've got a ton of real. You you know what you're getting. Um, more importantly, you have two guys at the top that can pitch and and pitch lights out. Um, if Dylan Cease is ever truly made available for, for trade, I still think the Cardinals make that trade. Uh, similarly, I think, you know, if Tyler Glass now becomes an opportunity or a, an affordable option, you still have to make that trade as well. <clears throat> I think something that the Tyler O'Neill trade did, and it's something, you know, you and I, I think have, have in our minds already had it clear that he wasn't part of the outfield plan for the future. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> You know, it does provide some clarity to some of those other guys in the outfield and letting them know, hey, like we're for real. You, you you're the guys. And I hope maybe that instills some confidence in them moving forward. Um I just like I said, I I still don't consider I think Mo is considering what he's done so far as success. And I think in the the mindset of I have enough people to fill a rotation and you know decent pitchers to do so with mm-hmm. i think you know there's a lot of in the interviews at least right he's trying to drive that optimism to fans and, and to the club that yeah we, we've done a good bit here by by getting these pitchers and i'm not saying we didn't do well to do that i'm just i don't think we've done enough yet to truly be considered in contention for anything yeah um, i still you know as it stands i i think we still i don't know that we'd even be the favorites for the division right now still uh here's another I one that we're... would make me feel better another signing that would make me feel better about what we're doing is signing brandon woodruff you know you're talking about it yeah. being a multi-year process right signing right. somebody like woodruff who can't really realistically pitch next year with with some surgeries and issues mm-hmm but who when he healthy is a absolute lights out pitcher that would make me feel better of, Hey, we have something planned right. long term. Right. And I, I would be very happy with that signing as well. Um, you know, I think there's three, you know, people that could, could be considered an ace still left on the market on the free agent market. And that's Monty Snell and Yamamoto. Um, and then a handful of guys behind them. Uh, I did read a, a week or two ago that we were being linked to re-signing uh, Jordan Hicks um, as well, um, who I, I almost would rather not <laughs> because we've we've gone down that road. But I also like I like Jordan and I and I want the best for him. Um, but. Yeah, I agree with you that I don't think we've done enough pitching. I do think we have to solve some of our bullpen issues before we can go back out into the starting pitching market. So if we can continue moving quickly, which is something that we haven't historically done, but we have done this year, whether or not you agree with the moves is one thing, but we are making moves quickly. Uh, If we can get some of, of those answers addressed, then maybe we can still be players in the starting pitching market, but it just, it just depends on, on what else goes. I mean, we're about two months out from pitchers and catchers reporting. So we 
should know soon. I think uh, something else to highlight, and this is a good for you, good signing for us with the <clears throat> Sonny Gray signing. I saw an article recently that Sonny Gray is more like Matt Carpenter than Adam Wainwright. Or not Matt Carpenter, Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I've... I, uh... I've heard that too. I I was surprised when I when I've heard that that he is um fiery. I I've seen it if if again you know already that I followed Sonny Gray pretty closely for a long time here. Um I mean going back to his early years with Oakland. Um I still uh when I check that one off on a how the hell did you remember that? Uh, when I recited everywhere he had been in his career, but that was um, the, that was the most shocking sports statistic. I think I've ever heard in my life that you knew someone's whole career who hadn't even played for us. Yeah. That like blew me away. Yeah. I, again, I'm a sports fan man, uh, as a whole, but you know, I, I follow things closely enough. Um, but Sonny gray, you know, he's had that little bit of a fiery attitude. He's wanted to win. Uh, when he was with the A's, they were on the cusp of being, you know, and that still in that like, hey, we're trying to get a wild card or sneak into the playoffs. Um, and then all of a sudden they weren't, but he was still good, which is when they traded him. But he's wanted to be a part of a winner. He took the deal in Cincinnati, which, again, he is close to home uh, when he took that when he ended up down at Cincy. I think that was somewhere he wanted to be. It uh, didn't work out. He since he was decent, it was okay there, but they didn't really finish putting the pieces around him. Um, and I think he he wants to win. He's a competitor. He's fiery. Uh, I don't think he is Chris Carpenter. For those of you who are going to try to roast me on the internet, I'm not trying to say he is Chris Carpenter. Um, but uh, attitude wise, the what he brings to the clubhouse. Um, is more Chris Carpenter than Adam Wainwright. It's more fiery. It's more business. It's, you know, you still need people like Wayno, right, to keep your team together. And I still think, you know, a good highlight to that would be Michaelis. Michaelis is still going to be that guy, I think, that helps balance out the leadership of our starting staff because Lance Lynn's another fiery, no bullshit well, guy. <laughs> that's what Gibson is, right? That's the That's the thing about Kyle Gibson is that he is like, Everything I've ever heard about Kyle Gibson is that he is like the best teammate in Major League Baseball, like period. Um, like everywhere he goes, like that's like the one thing they say that he's the best teammate that that they've ever had. Um, one thing that's interesting is if you go back in reverse order of his career, even though he has not always had personal success uh, statistically, he's always been on teams that have pitched very well that year that he was with them. Uh, so maybe there's some like good karma coming our way with Kyle Gibson, which I'm not, not opposed to. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I think having Yachty involved is only going to help them potentially be more successful. Um, I think that's going to help as well, but <clears throat> I'm excited to see again, I'm excited to see if the, what other moves are made and how we finish filling out this team bullpen wise or otherwise. Um, and I still, I'm shocked that there has not been a big trade for the Cardinals yet. Yeah. In some capacity, right? I, Tyler O'Neill, I don't count as a big trade. We all knew that right. was coming. Um, that's not something that's shocking. I, I'm, I'm waiting for a big trade and I don't know if or when it'll happen. Um, and one last thing before we move to city is that there's actually talks that Cardinals are looking to open up extension talks with our man Goldie. 
Um, and I, I hmm. wonder if it's going to be open up this extension talks as a year to year type thing, similar to Wayno. Um, so when he's ready to call it quits, he, he can call it quits and retire a Cardinal. Sure. Um, so I'm not sure what that looks like yet. Um, but I think that's something to follow because that's going to greatly shape how we're going to be moving and what positions we're going to have open for people to move around, uh, moving forward and maybe looking when it comes time for trades, how do we trade people? Because we maybe don't have a spot for them or a fit for them. So, yeah. Um, well, and I think that depends on if we get 2022 or 2023 Goldie. And and that's all there is to it. 2022 Goldie was an MVP player. 2023 Goldie was good, but was not an MVP level player. Um, and I don't want to say that we need Goldie to be an MVP player, but I think as we're currently constructed, we we need Goldie and Arenado to be in the MVP conversations or someone to be. And um, they're the two most likely candidates. And that also fits with how much we're paying them. But yeah, that's I love Goldie, but it he's clearly in the in the twilight of his career. Yeah. Speaking of trades, other fun things, St. Louis City made a big splash uh right away as free agency has started. So uh in MLS Major League Soccer, we just crowned the champion for the year with the Columbus crew. Uh, being the three seed out of the East, taking it all the way to the final and beating LA LAFC in the championship game. Uh, congrats to our homegrown keeper, uh, former. Well, D- you can't really, I mean, you can't really call him homegrown because that's actually a name of a roster designation. That's important. Our listeners are not all soccer fans. They may not know who he is, and they may think that we developed him when when we, St. Louis City SC, did not develop him. Okay. <clears throat> let me let me bring let, let's recap here. So for our listeners who have followed um <clears throat> Schulte, uh Patrick Schulte, who is the goalie for Columbus Crew. I was where I was showing was STLFC, the old club was homegrown there but patrick schulte is from saint charles uh went to slu played at slu for four years then played with our old club that we had here in st louis stlfc which was not an mls team um until eventually he worked his way up to the columbus crew um so congrats to him on winning the cup as a home St. Louis native. Yeah, there we Um, go. I can say homegrown in the fact that he spent his whole career here in St. Louis as far as growing into the keeper before he went to MLS. Um, I mean, he played for for both SLU and STLFC, so I would consider that a homegrown talent that went on to Columbus. I'm just saying, like, you got to be careful with the verbiage with that since it's an actual roster designation. Does, it doesn't matter. It's semantics. That's like getting too into the weeds you, of MLS you're just, rules. You just won't let me have it. No, you're just no. You're 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 you salty you... because you're you're sober and I'm not. And <laughs> yes, because when I chose to not drink a beer tonight, that upset me the rest of the night. I'm amazed at how young just... he is too, though. Like, have you noticed that? Like, he's like 22. He's gonna be 23 in the spring. 
I think he's he's eligible uh, for the Olympics next year. Um, like, yeah, I actually don't know. Which how means he next year he has to, like he has to at the oldest turn twenty three sometime next year. Um, he's twenty two. Yeah, so uh, like, he turns twenty three in March. There you go, nailed it on all accounts. Um, so that's really exciting. It just you know continues to prove St. Louis is the soccer capital. Um, not Kansas City. I do. I'm glad the crew won. I do think it was probably better for the league if LA had won, but I am, I was very happy that it was the crew. I think, I think the big thing for LA to not win is my hope is that it makes them hungry next year. Um, they lost, uh, three different finals finals this year um they lost the uh concacaf champions league final they lost the campeones cup and then they lost the mls cup yeah yeah i mean and they played a lot of games they if they hadn't gone so deep in several of these companies because they also made it really far in an open cup too um and so if they hadn't gone so far i think they might have played better in the championship game. I don't know. I mean, they made it to the championship game. So, but they definitely down the stretch were looking tired. And there was so much time off too. I, that's one of my biggest complaints with the MLS playoffs is how much time off there was between those, that first round and then the rest of the playoffs. And, you know, I think as much as I don't like sporting Kansas, I think that was really hard for them. As oh, a team yeah. that was on a hot streak, running right into the playoffs, kept it going to the beginning, and then all of a sudden had to take several weeks off. I think that yeah. really hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And MLS can't seem to figure the correct playoff structure out. So we'll probably have a completely different structure next year. And that's just MLS for you. Um, but back to the trade. This, back to the trade. So. Lutz Fonensteel has done it again. So our boys, Jared Stroud, well, my boy, Jared Stroud, not yours, and our boy, Lucas Bartlett, plus yes. a whole bunch of allocation money, some allocation money. You package all those together and you get one Chris Durkin from DC United. Uh, so a little bit of background for Chris. He is a defensive midfielder. He is also, I believe, Olympic eligible. Uh, I think he's 22, maybe turning 23. He's around that age. Uh, We have him signed to a U-22 contract, uh, which makes him officially the first U-22 we've had. Uh, We talked a little bit about that in our last episode, how that was a roster mechanism that we were not using. Um, And that's very exciting. So there's a couple of ways that we can use him. Um, we can use him to sub in for Blum. We could use him in a double pivot next to Blum. Um, we could also use him more forward. Uh, if you watch his highlight reel, he, a lot of his highlights were playing in that right mid position where we really liked what we saw from Stroud. So that's another opportunity for him. Um, he's a very exciting player. Uh, one that I, I cannot wait to watch i am so sad to see stroud and bartley go because i really liked (laughs) their mindset and who they are and what they bring to the team 
but from a technical skill perspective, this is a, a very clear upgrade. I, I think something we talked about in our roster moves episode was needing somebody else who could spell Blom in games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this gives us that. And I that was my initial right. thought. Um, looking more at what he's done, realizing that he can play pretty much anywhere we need him to. He can mm-hmm. play on the back line. He can play on either side, typically on the right side, but he can play either side in the midfield. Um, he, he's a solid player. He's somebody who's going to be able to fill a lot of gaps for us and help us in a lot of different ways. Stroud is is a polarizing figure with the St. Louis City fan base. Um, people either love him or they hate him. Um, I uh, love and hate him, depending on the situation. Uh, you know, I loved the tenacity and what he brought to the team. Um, I drove me nuts with how Carnell used him at times because I felt like he was being misused or, or playing too many right. minutes. Um, I mean, again, it, but he was he was pivotal to us having the successful season that we ended up having. And so like, I don't want to take that away from Stroud. Same thing for Bartlett. Bartlett was a guy, especially early on in the year, really locked down the central midfield for us along with Parker uh, or not central midfield, central defensive positions with Parker um, and, and was great. I love Bartlett. He was somebody who was so active with the fan base. He mm-hmm. went to every event. He was always out there ready to meet yeah, people. Absolutely. And, and Bartlett is an absolute class act. Bartlett, if for some reason you ever listen to this, buddy, we appreciate the hell out of you. Um, the real question that I have. So, you know, yeah. we kind of have an idea. We're getting some good stuff out of Chris Durkin. Um you and I talked about how nice it was that they did keep Bartlett initially, not mm-hmm. realizing that this was kind of lining up for what ended up happening. How do we replace Bartlett's frosted tips? Unfortunately, there's no way to replace Bartlett's frosted tips. Uh, frosted tips died in the 90s with everyone else, except for Lucas Bartlett. So... I would I would go out on a limb to say that frosted tips lasted into like oh oh one to oh three range. Um, yeah, and then kind as of, soon you know, actually, as soon as I said it, I thought, eh, I bet that was really more like two thousand one. But I was going to keep going with it at that point. So no, I I'm not going to I'm not going to let you. you have that win. That's fine. I I have plenty of other wins. I don't. I you can have this one. Um, we'll round up. Right. Yeah. We'll round up. Yeah. God damn it. That's the, that's the episode title, isn't it? We'll round up. Um, (laughs) The, uh, the other interesting thing about Durkin. So not only, you know, I think we've talked that, that we think he's, he's a very good player, but I think he was like fifth or sixth in minutes um, for DC this year. So like he's dependable, he's, you know, tends to stay healthy. It looks like, uh, he's definitely quality starting that much, playing that much. So that's very good for us. It also opens up another roster slot, which, you know, we kind of felt like we were out of roster slots to be able to make any other moves. Um, so that's a good sign. Uh, and then I I texted this to you, but this is just so, this is such a loose move. So he takes Stroud, who got 15 minutes at Austin last year in 2022, roughly 15 minutes, maybe 20. And he takes Bartlett, who was a trialist. And I think he was a city two player for Dallas last year and then was cut at the end of the year. And you combine those with some allocation money 
and he and he flips them for an MLS starter, and it's just like Jesus Christ, like <laughs> like like they're gonna stop accepting his calls eventually, right? Like <laughs> you know, but we've we've said the same thing about Army for how long with the Blues? That's true, uh, and, and and you know maybe not so much in the last couple of years, but I mean like how many times has Army fleeced people? And I mean. Yeah. I, I hate to give Mosaic any credit ever, um, but I mean, like, the fact that people are still having trades with Mosaic after what happened with the Rockies. Yeah, yeah, that is that is <laughs> like the most one-sided trade that has ever occurred in the history of sports. And and honestly, the Goldie trade too, which was like a what year before yeah. that? Yeah, the Goldie uh, was trade was was before. very favorable for us. Uh it was one I think or two it was years two. before that I trade. Think it was two. But either way, I think it was two. <clears throat> so you look at those two trades, like the Goldie trade, Arizona literally had nobody left on their roster from that trade. And then he calls up Colorado and goes, hey, uh, we could be good trade partners for your star player that, that's a little unhappy or disgruntled. But we're only going to do it if you pay us. <laughs> like, like, so, so I mean, the, like... <clears throat> The, the problem, and I think this is something that happens with GMs as a whole, right? They always think they're the smartest guy in the room. Sure. Um, but when your GM actually is, it tends to pay off for you. And I think yeah. Lutz actually is. He, he's been around long enough. He gets it. Um, and so I think he truly is the smartest guy in the room where some of these other GMs think they are. And he's like, oh, look how great these players were for us. I think they'd really do you some good for you. Knowing full well that Chance, and then this is not to be mean or anything else, but like Stroud's not going to play the minutes he played at St. Louis City, wherever. At, you no, because he's there. Only, he's only effective in our system, and DC doesn't play this system. Like, yeah, Bartlett. Now Bartlett could be a, a valuable piece. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't give, and and I think Bartlett can play in any system. Um, and and so yeah. like I don't want that. You know, whatever. But Stroud's going to be a sub depth piece. This deal was more about them getting you know money mm-hmm. and Bartlett than anything. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, Bartlett is maybe not quite yet an MLS starting center back, but it, it would not surprise me if he started at center back for them. Um, he's not at his peak yet, whereas Stroud is is Stroud is who he is at this point in his career. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. This is about getting good center back depth, which is rare in MLS and getting some allocation money from DC's perspective. Um, for obviously so. for St. Louis city, we're, we're adding a starter starting caliber player. Who's going to play a lot of minutes for us uh, that can fill in in a number of roles without right. us having any drop off in those spots. And I think, yeah, especially thinking about the number of games we could potentially be playing if we do well in the CONCACAF champions league and things, it, it's going to be, be really important for us to have Chris Durkin and to have him be able to play all those mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. I'm glad Even you brought up the champions. That's league. what yeah, I was going to say. Keep, I keep trying to line up these, these transitions. I'm trying, man, do my best. No, that here. was, that was perfect. Like that was, um, and I ruined it because I was about to make the same transition and I was just like mind blown that we were on the same page, but that was great. No, yeah, that, that was never awesome. happens. Cause usually yeah. my mind is, you know, running uh, about like 70%. Um, at best, usually by the You're time rounding we record up again. at night, I am rounding up because it's really like thirty percent. <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so 
the the draws tomorrow for Concord right. Half Champions League. So what does Those that Those of you mean? who want to watch it, um, so the draw is when they're going to draw essentially the bracket and see who's playing who and where they're playing. Um, and so we're going to figure out who we're playing tomorrow. What's important for this or if, for those that want to watch i say important for this what's what's important to know if you're wanting to watch it is it sounds like they're going to be streaming it on twitter and instagram oh um, i missed I think that it's, i think it's at champions uh if you follow our instagram i follow them so you might be able to find them that way but i'll i'll look it up here in a minute um it's at the champions which is the Concacaf champions cup mm. um is that's so awesome that so i'm gonna is, watch that tomorrow uh, yeah, no, I'm going to watch it too. But so that's we're going to figure out who we're playing in the Champions League. The this is what sucks for us is that the Concacaf Champions League rating system takes into account your overall rating, but your rating is based over the last three years of who you played, who you beat, how you've done. We have one year of that information. What's puts us puts us in a real shitty position for who we're going to get drawn up against. Um, and so I think that is something to be aware of and something to think about. We may not get a real favorable draw on the flip side. If we get an unfavorable draw and we win, all of a sudden we're essentially taking that higher speed seeds spot and line to move forward. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Um, so I did Round some of the math for us on what it's, what it's looking like for the bracket. Um, because you can see like the bracket positions already. Uh, they're just mostly empty at the moment. Uh, so what they do when they do this draw is they divide up into two different groups of pots, basically. Um, and they do like, um, a pot for, um, uh, God, what am I trying to say here? I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I found a great article that explained it. Now I'm dumb and forgot it. Boom. There's the article. Um, so they do two pots and then they're going to draw from each pot. And that's basically going to pair them up. So, um, there's some teams that don't have to participate in the draw though. Uh, those teams from MLS, the two teams are, um, Inter Miami, who won League's Cup, and then Columbus Crew, who just won the MLS Cup. So they automatically go to round two, the round of 16. There's a few other teams. They don't matter right now. Um, there's three teams that are already put in specific positions in round one. Um, and that's Club America, uh, CF Monterey, and Tigres, uh, which are three teams that we really don't want to play. Um Although, like, to be the best, you got to beat the best, as we always say. So, like, we're going to have to go through one of these teams eventually. Um, We have already played Club America, and they stomped us in League's Cup. Um, I was at that game. It was an experience, to to say the least, but um, it was also depressing. Um, So, You know who looked like they belonged on the field that game? Sally when, when the rest of congratulations yeah, the rest of our team i mean the rest of our team did look completely out of place and, and i think Celio everyone was tired Celio came in and looked like he deserved to be there again i just want to highlight that he's a player that we need to utilize more next year um, i think in that's games the plan where we need and in, in games where we need that extra piece 
Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I could yeah. also couldn't let an episode go go by without bringing up my boy Celio. I, I hear you. I hear you. You're a sellout for him, which is fine. But there's 11 possible teams we could be playing. Three of them are those ones I just mentioned. Um, so that sucks. There's also five, six MLS teams that will be in the group A pot uh, that we could be drawn against. We're in the group B pot. Uh, the group A MLS teams, uh, Philadelphia, Orlando, Nashville, Cincinnati, New England, Houston. Um, I'm willing to play any of those teams. Uh, I'm I'm especially compared to Club America or Tigres or Monterey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Monterey, I am, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm willing to to play any of those six teams. I think we could play well against them. We started off very hot this year. I think some rust is going to do us some good. I think down the stretch, a lot of our struggles were because we were getting tired. So I'm very excited to have high level competition early this year um, to get to watch. Um, I do know if you are a city plus member, I believe on the 21st, any available uh, playoff strips that are left that season ticket holders did not buy will go on sale. So there is a possibility of doing that um, kind of like they did for the playoffs this year. So we will, we will see. It's going to be exciting stuff. Hopefully we get to see more games than we did (laughs) in the playoffs, but if not, hopefully I'll get to be there anyway. Yeah, no, I'm hoping to be at some of these games um, and there should hopefully be a lot of them as long as we're (laughs) right. Right. Um, something else to think about, and this is different than standard MLS format is this tournament is more, uh, in line with European tournaments where it is an aggregate scoring two game home and away. Um, the team with home field advantage gets or the higher seed Mm -hmm. will have the second game at home. Um, but it's aggregate scoring. So whatever score it is from the first game carries over to the second game. Um, and so if, you know, St. Louis city wins the first game three to nothing, essentially they start the next game up three to zero. Right. And the first tiebreaker is normally, um, away goals. Correct. Um, so we'll have, so that first game, the first game will be in St. Louis, uh, because we will be the lower seated team period. Uh, it's looking like that game will probably be the first week of February, although I think it's also possible it's the second week of February as well. It just kind of depends on how the seating falls out. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be important to, you know, really limit how much the other team scores, uh, at, at our home, um, one thing that I am a little concerned about is if we get one of these uh, teams from Mexico, they're going to be mid-season and in form, whereas we're going to be coming in and and you know shaking the rust off. So I'm not as enthused about playing a Mexican team first because of that either. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. It's exciting. Not everyone gets to play in, in continental competitions. Yeah, no, I think I'm pumped. I'm excited for it. I'm ready. Um, like I agree with, with you, my biggest concern is that because MLS's season does not mirror the rest of the soccer world Mm -hmm. and and there's reason for that. Uh, the biggest one being that there's still several MLS clubs that utilize NFL stadiums (laughs) and 
And, I don't and know that if was that's the initial the reason. One, so, but it's but up then there. in addition to that, right? You've got you've got college football and NFL and viewership and all of those concerns that with the overlap at the same time. <clears throat> there was a lot of things that went into them deciding when the season would take place back when they created the MLS and, and MLS right. came about because of the 1994 uh, USA ho- hosting the 94 world cup. Right. That was a part of the requirements for us to host the world cup was that USA needed to develop Have a, a top professional league. league. Yeah. Um, and, well, the and other thing we're finally is like, getting to the point where we're legitimately a top tier league. <laughs> well, right. Right. You have to have a top. We're getting to the point where we're where we can make the argument that we're a top tier global league, but you have to have a top tier domestic league. You have to like have a pyramid structure. Right. Yeah. Uh, But the other thing is that, you know, we have a lot of teams that play in the Northern reaches of our country or in um, Canada. And a lot of those teams play outdoors and it turns out that they get snow and it's cold and it sucks. And it's not really fun to have those games in that kind of weather. Um, so that's kind of part of it too. Um, specifically the same thing about England, uh, England's not fun in the winter to play either. It's not, it's not as bad as Canada. Don't get me wrong. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, just because of the nature, what's worse, Canada or the UK? I don't know. I don't want to make that choice. They both suck, but I mean, Minnesota gets really snowy. New York can get really snowy. Boston can get really snowy. Like those are you know, and we're not just talking about like it is snowing, like we're talking like keep the field free of snow enough to play on because um, it turns out the ball has to roll. <laughs> I don't know if you know that Debatable. about soccer, but it, it is supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're good enough, it doesn't have to. Yeah, that's true. But this is so MLS. Just, so they're just, you know, not get better MLS. No, <laughs> right. Um, but be, because of those issues, though, we don't our league does not play at the same time as the rest of the leagues in the world. Um, For the most part, the, the rest yeah. of the major leagues the, in the world. Yeah. And so that makes me really nervous that, like you said, they're going to be midseason form when this just starts. And we are going to be this will be our first game since we were eliminated by SKC. Um, and you know, that, that part makes me nervous, which is where I really hope we play an MLS team first. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being honest, I would love nothing more than Sensi to come back to St. Louis just so we can beat the crap out of them again. Just watch it happen a second time. Um, you know, if we, if we win five to one again at home against, you know, Sensi in, in the first leg, we're going to be looking real pretty to go to Sensi. Yeah. Um, not that since he's a bad team or anything else, right? But no, they're um, they're a very good. That team was a me. that was a very memorable game for me to be at. I kind of, I I kind of want to play Nashville because it's close enough that like we could go in Nashville, <laughs> but like they're not. I mean, if I'm really picking a team, since he is too though. Yeah, we could, yeah. We since could he's since like he. same drive as Nashville. You think? Well, yeah. You're probably right. I only know because Dink used to make that drive from school all the time. That's a good point. Um, I I think New England could be could be a fun one, not for us to go to, but I I think that's a a team we could pair up well with. Houston, um, I think we pair up really well with. Yeah, I don't want to play Philly of those of those five or six teams. I don't want to play Philadelphia. I know that. 
Um, I otherwise, think we, I'm, I think the rest of um, them, I think we pair up well. But if I had to yeah. choose between Philly or a Mexican team that's in form, I'm taking yeah. Philly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not even a converse. That's so not even a I question. Think, I think what's important here is that to know that, you know, if we get a rough draw, we know why, right? It's a three-year mm-hmm. rolling score that they keep. If we keep being successful, our score is going to go up. And, you know, if we keep qualifying, we're going to, we're going to get better draws. Um, so, I mean, there's not a whole lot more right now. I mean, to, to look at or to cover, um, you know, I think we, we touched on a lot of things. One thing that I did catch, um, and a team that's not in the, uh, uh, champions league CONCACAF champions cup is, uh, the Colorado, Colorado. Right. Uh, and the they, Rapids. Uh, oh, I know, I know their name. I just, the Colorado team, uh, AKA the Rapids, if you want to go there, more importantly, owned by none other than the bane of my existence, Stan Kroenke. Um, they did not qualify because they were last in pretty much every competition that was had at any point this year. Um, and so, you know, that, that honestly gives me a little bit of solace for all of the, uh, bullshit that he put us through with the Rams. Um, and so with that, Stan Kroenke, we hate you and good night, everyone.